Right, let's get into it. Imagine, if you will, it's early in the morning, you get out of bed, you gotta get yourself ready to, for, uh, for work. So you step into your bathroom and what you see in front of you is a full length mirror. So you can see from your forehead all the way down to your toes. And as you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see. Uh, makes sense, I mean, you just woke up. Your hair is disheveled. You got crust in your eyes. You got a little bit of drool dried onto your cheek. So you go about the, the task of getting yourself ready for the day. But you like to do things a little bit differently. You've been embracing your truth lately and you've been working on your confidence and you've been loving yourself. So when you look at this mirror again, you notice your hair is a mess and your face is dirty. Instead of doing normal things, like combing your hair and washing your face, you take a small glass cutter out and you go over to the mirror and you cut off the part that reflects your face and it just falls off back behind the mirror. Satisfied, you step back and you start to look into this mirror again. Now you look at your shirt and you see that there's a coffee stain on it and it's, and it's wrinkled. So now where most people would just go and change the shirt, not you, you're different, remember? So you pick up a small pebble and you throw it at the mirror and the mirror cracks into a web-like pattern. And then you go, you pick up your tweezers and you go into the mirror and you start to pick out the pieces that reflect the stain and you pick out a couple extra pieces that are showing the wrinkles in your shirt. And you take a step back again and you go, oh no, I'm wearing pajama pants. But again, instead of going to change your clothes, you pull out a bucket of paint and you paint over the mirror so that you can't see your pants anymore. You step back one more time and you realize that you have on one Timberland and one slide. I'm not sure what you got into last night, but you had a good time, all right? It was a lot of fun, whatever it was. So instead of changing your shoes, what you do is you pull out a nice paint palette and you dip the paint in and you go over to the mirror and you start to paint the mirror and you put a nice picture of some matching shoes on the mirror. And then you step back, you look at yourself one more time, you dust yourself off, and you walk out of the bathroom and you get yourself ready for the day. I know that sounds ridiculous, it sounds foolish, but I promise you, we do stuff like this every single day. And I do wanna say this, guys, welcome to The Edge, let's get sharp. So, let's get right into it. All right, so in the story that I just told you, we talked about a mirror, and there are some specific mirrors that I wanna talk about, okay? First and foremost, let's talk about the mirror of God's word. The second thing we're gonna cover is the mirror that is in God's people, and then we're gonna talk about the mirror that is in your vision, okay? Let's start with the mirror of God's word, James 1, 22, through 25, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. But if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You'll see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget the word, what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Joshua chapter one, verse eight, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure 
to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Matthew 7.21 Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter in the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father. Okay, so there's a theme here. Okay, so only those who actually do the, the will of my father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows is wise, like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. So I know what you're thinking. Obviously, you catch that theme, not just hearing the word, but also doing what it says, not just reading the word, but also being obedient, not just hearing the instructions, but following the teachings. So you're thinking, well, I woke up like this. This must be what I'm supposed to look like. This must be the person I'm supposed to be. But then you look into the mirror of God's word and you see that a holy God says change. But I like my lifestyle. I like my friends. This feels good and I'm not hurting anybody. But when you look into the mirror of his word, it says change. Remember, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Remember that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Remember, let God be true and every man be a liar. God will not compromise his standard, but we do every single day. Just like the mirror in my story, we cut off whole sections of his word saying that's the law and I'm saved by grace or that's the Old Testament. And now there's a new covenant or we cherry pick the parts that we want to apply to ourselves, not realizing that some of these promises come with a condition. Example, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray then will I hear from heaven and forgive sins and heal their land. So we want that promise of forgiveness of sin. We want that promise of a healed land. We want that promise that God has for us, but we forget the condition that is associated with the promise. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek his face. And then all of those other things are going to come with, come to you. Okay. All those blessings that we like, all those blessings that we discuss, especially Deuteronomy 28. I know we talk about those a lot, especially with my father. All of those come with the condition of being obedient to the laws of the Lord. Some of us ignore whole sections of the word like they're not even there or will interpret the scripture in our own way. Take them out of context so that they fit into our wants and desires. Now, I don't want to teach legalism. Please hear me with your heart. I don't want to make anyone think that they can earn God's grace through works because you cannot. It is free. God's salvation is free. But I just had a conversation with my sister not too long ago. And she said the anointing cost, the things that you want from God, the things that you desire from him, that's going to cost you something. And in this year, we need to adjust. We need to change. We need to not compromise our standard, we need to not compromise God's standard, do what he says so that we can receive the blessing that he has intended for us. So that is the only point that I'm trying to make in all of this is that in those moments when God's will, his standard and his character doesn't line up with ours, why do we try to change him and not ourselves? 
Why do we try to change his word and not our perspective? Is it because God often requires more? The law of Moses says don't kill. But the law of grace says if you hate your brother, then you've already killed him. You've already committed murder. The law of Moses says don't commit adultery. But the law of grace says if you look with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Why? Not because it's harder on you, but because he understands how things work. Okay? So God understands that everything starts with a thought. And if you let that thought marinate long enough, then it becomes words. Then if you speak those words often enough, then they become actions. And if you do those actions often enough, then they become habits. And if you keep that habit long enough, then it becomes your character. And then once your character is set, it becomes a lifestyle. And that goes for everything. So if the thought is sinful, then it's going to develop into something. And if the thought is righteous, if the thought is good, then again, it's going to develop into something. So God having the understanding that this is the way things work, his law and his conditions are a little bit more stringent than you might think they are because he's trying to get you to a place where you understand it so that you can operate the way that he wants you to operate. Did you know that God is very particular about his word? It's the only thing that he has esteemed above his name. He said that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word, his word will last forever. He said you shouldn't add anything or take anything away from it. So his opinion on his word is you should take it or leave it. In Revelations, it says to be hot or to be cold, but don't be lukewarm. So leave my mirror alone. Okay. His mirror is just fine the way it is. If you don't like the way you look, then you need to leave my mirror alone and go on and get another mirror. Okay. But this is, this is what it is. This is what my require requirements are. This is my standard and I'm not going to compromise my conditions. All right, moving on. Last year, we talked about the fruit of the spirit. And when I did my research, I found that the word fruit in that scripture is the word Piri in Hebrew, and that is a singular word. So that singular word fruit of the spirit. And what I uh, deduced is that um, since the word fruit is singular, there's only one fruit. But the other fruits that that passage is talking about are the characteristics characteristics mentioned in the passage, the love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering, the self-control. All of those are benefits that you get from consuming the one fruit of the spirit. So we determine that the fruit of the spirit is obedience or being led by the spirit. Being led by the spirit is the key to getting through this faith walk right. It's also the key to making the right decisions when we investigate these mirrors that we talked about. So we're talked we talked about the mirror of God's word. Next one is the mirror of God's people. Okay, I got another story for you. Gear up, okay? Now, I'm sure you've heard this before, but don't stop me because I'm gonna go ahead and read it anyway, all right? The story of the Christian man caught in the flood. There was a man who loved the Lord with all of his heart, and he believed that God could do anything but fail. One day, the city that he lived in flooded, and his house was smack dab in the middle of it. As the water rose, he climbed to the roof of the house, and he prayed to his God for rescue. While he was praying, his neighbor came by in a canoe and called to him. Hey, come on, man, get on my boat so I can get you out of here. And the man says, no, my God will save me. The man continues to pray. And while he's praying, a woman pulls up with a small motorboat and she calls out, hey, come on, man, get on my boat so I can get you out of here. And the man says, no, my God will save me. 
As the water gets higher and higher, the man is doing all that he can do to keep his head above it while he's still praying. Then suddenly a rescue chopper flies overhead and the man and somebody yells out, hey, come on, man, get on this chopper so we can get you out of here. The man's response is, no, my God will blow, 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 blow. The man drowns. And as we all know, to be absent in the body is to be present with the father. So he closes his eyes on this side and he opens his eyes on the other side. And when he sees the face of the father, he is clearly distraught. The man throws his hands in the air and he starts to speak. But before he could even open his mouth, the father looks at him and says, I know your thoughts and intentions from afar off. So I know you're mad at me because you think I didn't save you. But I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What more did you want me to do? Many of us are just like this man. We fully expect God to get up off his throne and come to see about us. And I'm not saying that he can't. I'm not saying that he doesn't. What I am saying is this. It is far more likely that God will send a someone to help a someone like you, a someone like me. In the book of Acts, God sends Peter to the Italians to preach to them. Now, here's the thing about this story. God sent a whole angel to the Italians to tell them that Peter was coming. Now, this angel was sent directly from God. Do you think that angel knew about Jesus? Do you think that angel knew about baptism? Do you think that that angel knew about the spirit of God? He could have preached their socks off right then and there, but he chose to send Peter. So God uses people in that same book of Acts. He sends P Philip to preach to the to an Ethiopian eunuch. He preaches to him and then he baptizes him. So the point that I'm trying to make God uses people. That's kind of like my whole thing, guys. Like God uses people. That's like exactly what I do, man. When he wanted a nation, he birthed Abraham. When he wanted to deliver his people, he birthed Moses. When he wanted to save the world, he birthed Jesus. So evidently, when God saw all of the issues facing the world today, he decided to birth you and you and you and me too. So we are the solution. We are the answer. We are the ones that are supposed to save this world today. So we need to step up and we need to make that happen. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron. So one friend sharpens another friend. God uses people to sharpen you. He uses people to reflect Okay, let me get back to my, my metaphor, the mirror. He uses people to reflect some things that you may not know about yourself. But far too often we cut people off because of offense. Many times we have ended relationships with people that were just being real with us. How many times have we quit jobs too soon because we didn't like what the boss said about us? You were put in that job for a season because there was something that you were supposed to learn. There are people who come into your life to help teach you some lessons, and those lessons don't always feel good. The language used is not always sweet and soft. Sometimes it's hard to hear and even harder to endure, but we have to. This is also why you need the Spirit of God to show you who's really for you and show you who's not, to show you who to let in and show you to, who to keep at arm's length, to show you when to embrace them and to show you when to let them go. And then that same Spirit is going to help restore you and give you peace when those people that you truly care about have to go because it's their time to exit your life. So God uses, uses the mirror of people. Just one second. All right, last mirror, the mirror of your vision. 
Habakkuk 2 2 says, uh, and the, the translation that I used um, is New Living Translation for all of these. And this one says, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Or write the vision and make it plain is what most people understand Habakkuk 2.2 to be. But this is what it actually says. And I was kind of like intrigued by that because the way I've been taught it has been way different than this. But write my answer because Habakkuk had prayed to God and God was giving him his response. And he wanted and God wanted his words to not be confused or construed. OK, write my answer plainly on tablets so people can carry the correct message to others. He wanted them to understand his views. He wanted him them to understand his heart. And he wanted to make sure that that message was delivered correctly to other folk. So. That's what it says. Now, this mirror is totally different from the other two mirrors. When you look into the mirror of your vision, you start to adjust yourself. In this mirror, you comb your hair, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you make sure your outfit is clean and pressed, and you make sure the belt matches the shoes because you got to coordinate. Rest in peace, John Witherspoon. As you should, because that's how vision works. You see the finished work in the spirit. And then you strive in the physical to make it happen. And here's the revelation. You treat your vision in the word of God, which is the, vis the vision that God has for you. You treat those two visions differently. Why? Because you want your vision. When you look at the word of God, you don't like what you see. So, of course, you don't want to look like that. But when you look in the mirror of your vision, you want everything. I want all of that. Okay. I, I want that healthy body. I want that house. I want that money. I want that car. I want those relationships. I want that stuff. So you start adjusting your life so that one day you can see your vision in, in the natural. You can look like your vision, your vision. Okay. Now here's the, here's the crazy part. Your vision is over here. Okay. And then you have God's vision over here. So what is that? That's two visions. Division, it's two of them. So you're literally double minded. And a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. And you know what unstable people do? They break mirrors, okay? Because I watch a lot of movies and TV, and that's how you know the main character is always cracking up because they're always looking into the mirror, and then all of a sudden they just punch that joker or they just headbutt it or something, and then they break it. So this is exactly what we're doing because we're unstable. The Bible says that you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to cling to one and despise the other. So right now we're in this position where we have two masters. We have two visions. We have two minds. And this year I declare we are not going to be unstable. This year I declare we are going to let go of insanity. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The Amplified says a clear and well-balanced mind. That passage I have had to hold on to for a good portion of my adult life because, like I said before, my mind is different. I don't think like other people think, and I have to hold on to that when I'm the odd man out because I have to tell myself, you are not crazy. You are clear. You are a well-balanced thinker. You are not stupid. You are intelligent, and God is going to use my thoughts whatever they are, jumbled as they may be, to touch and impact people. So I have to stand on this scripture and now I'm giving it to you. So what do we do? You, you are never, hear me, never going to want what God wants unless you allow him to influence your desires. You're just not, okay? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What we 
originally thought that meant is that if I delight myself in the Lord, God is going to give me what I want, right? Not true. If you delight yourself in the Lord, God is going to align your desires with his and then he's going to give you those desires. That's how it works. So you got to delight yourself in the Lord. Allow him to influence your desires so that you shift. When you chase God's vision for your life, things just hit different. Your vision may be for the big house, the nice car, the healthy relationships. But if you embrace God's vision, you can have all of those things. Those things aren't bad things, but you can have all of those things. But now the nice car and the house and the money, they're not going to be your idol. Okay, now the nice car, the house and the money, that's not going to be your identity. You're not going to embrace that and want to live that. And so if you were to lose that, you would lose everything. So you can have the money and you can have it, but not worship it. You can have a relationship without losing your identity or compromising your character. You can have a healthy body and a healthy mind. You can walk in your purpose and help others to do the same thing. This right here is the goal that God has for you. This is the expected end that he talks about in Jeremiah 29, to be a healthy and whole human being in fellowship with God that can help others know God and as a result, become healthy and whole. I'm gonna say it one more time. This is the purpose for you to be a healthy and whole human being in fellowship with God that can help other people know God and as a result, have them become healthy and whole. And God does this by showing you the mirror, the mirror of his word, the mirror of God's people and the mirror of the vision that he plants into your life. I love you guys. What is up, good people? This is Mike Savage, and I wanted to come on and personally thank you for listening to my podcast. Do me a favor. If you enjoyed it, give it five stars. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. If you want to keep up with my content, follow me on Instagram at Razor's Edge underscore podcast and on Facebook at Savage Lifestyle Solutions. If you want to reach me or book me to speak, reach out to me by my email address, michaelsavagespeaks at gmail.com. I love you and I look forward to hearing from you. All right, folks, let's get ready for the final thought. The funny thing about fear, they say that it's there to keep you safe. They say you should be afraid of the unforeseen outcomes so that you can better prepare for them. But what do you do when fear stops you from all forward progress? This is what you do. You face it and you run towards it because what I've learned is that fear is directly in front of your purpose. So in order to get to that purpose, you have to get through fear. Do not let fear stop you another day in your life. Realize that it is an indicator that that is probably the direction that you need to move in. I love you and I need you guys to remember that you are not a mistake. You, my friend, are a solution. I love you and I'll see you on the next episode.